0: But I'll cover the issue of protein because it comes up all the time. Mm. I mean, everybody, the minute you tell them you're not eating meat for one day a week, never mind for the rest of your life, you know, just one day a week, you say, no, no, I'm doing Meat Free Monday. It's like, where are you getting your protein from? (laughs) And uh, we don't realize it, but we are humans and not pigs or chickens or cows. The best argument for cannibalism is that we need to eat flesh to make flesh. We shouldn't be eating pig flesh because we're not pigs. Surely we should be eating human flesh to make human flesh. I mean, if you think about it, people say you've got to eat flesh mm. to make get protein mm. to make flesh or muscles. So we must eat muscles to make muscles. Well, that's the best <laughs> argument. It's like you have to drink cow's milk to make mother's milk, which is not right at all. Mm. So the best argument for cannibalism is surely we should be eating human muscles, not pigs' muscles sure. and and cows', you know strips of meat next to their spine or muscles, chickens. Should we be eating the thigh of a chicken or should we be eating the thigh of a human? Okay, yeah, exactly. So when you start to look at it logically, it makes no sense whatsoever. But when you look at it scientifically it makes even less sense. Because there isn't one kind of protein. Most people think there's like one kind of protein. You gotta eat protein to make protein and there's only one kind of protein. It's not it's not even Not only are there different types of protein from different species, but we make in our bodies, our body actually makes over 100,000 different kinds of protein. And we make it from what's called amino acids. Mm -hmm. Amino acids are the building blocks. If if I had to put it in a way, it's like glucose is to carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Amino acids are to protein. And if you want to make it even more simpler… Even glucose and amino acids being to carbohydrates and protein is like letters of the alphabet are 2 words. <clears throat> so let's say for example, we're English speaking, which we are, most of the time, and we now hearing a language that we don't understand. It could be Russian, it could be Greek, whatever we don't. Let's say it's Russian. Do you speak Russian? Mm-hmm. Do I understand it? Mm-hmm. Other than no, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. no. And that's from movies. Yeah. All right, so we don't speak Russian, we don't understand it, we hear it, we can't We can't translate it in our head because we've got no tools to do it. So <clears throat> when we eat pork, which is just plain pig, I don't know why they call it pork and steak when it's pig and, pig cow. and cow. So well, we eat like pig or cow or mutton. chicken or fish and it's not mutton, it's a lamb or a sheep. Okay. So somehow they call it lamb, which doesn't make it sound any better, but mutton yeah. is just a sheep. Whatever it is you're eating, your body doesn't recognize. There's a couple of problems, okay? Firstly, we cook the meat. When you cook protein, it coagulates. You ever know what an egg white does when you cook it? Mm -hmm. When it's raw, you can mix it with water. You can actually beat it. I mean, when I used to make scrambled eggs in the old days when I ate eggs, you'd whisk the egg whites until they were fluffy. It's almost like a a mousse omelet I used to make. just a huge, puffy omelet. And I would whisk the egg whites and then I would put a little bit of boiling water with it and it would make it double in volume, which was amazing, just like a half a teaspoon and you just whisk it. And um, in its raw state, protein's water-soluble. But once you cook it, it coagulates, exactly what happens to an egg white, it coagulates. Do you want to move that one back? No, it's not fine. Just move it down Because, because mary Ann's not happy okay. with this, so we're going okay. to try to well, we're mm. to it out I mean, There we go, go. thank you. <laughs> you. It's in the naughty corner, yeah. Alright, so Mark's going to have to edit this piece out. That's <laughs> fine, no, thank you for that. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have started coughing and stuttering. Alright, so um, getting back to it. Um, egg white coagulates. When you cook it and you can see it, and that's what's so amazing about using egg as an example. You can see the egg white is liquid and now it's solid. That's what cooking does to protein. If you use the egg white, you can use probably most of the protein. And I say most, probably about fifty percent to sixty percent in its raw form, but because it's from an egg, it's more difficult for us to use it. We need your body doesn't recognize it, so it's got to undo it. It comes in in long chains of amino acids, Now your body's got to undo it. So it's like you undo the Russian word, and then you redo it with English let- with letters to make it an English word. It's the same thing. So whether it's raw egg or cooked egg, it's got to be undone, but it's much harder to undo cooked protein. And we eat our proteins cooked for a very good reason, because if we ate it raw, I'm talking about animal protein, we'd be exposed to over 200 different parasites and flukes. Mm-hmm. And they can cause problems from your brain to your liver to your digestive tract. They say one of the main causes of um, anemia or iron deficiency in women and children, which is the number one deficiency in westernized countries, is because most women and children will have parasites because the children kiss the animals and the children kiss the mothers the most. (coughs) And then the mothers kiss the fathers, so they all got parasites (laughs) and they need to take paranoid. So... If you understand the concept of how protein is made from these amino acids, you begin to understand that it doesn't really matter where those amino acids came from. Well, you want to get them from the most efficient place, okay? And the most efficient place is actually from nuts and seeds because you can eat them raw. Um, Legumes are a good source of protein, but you've got to cook them. The difference with protein from plants is it's not in these long chains because it's not making up a pig or a cow. It's loose amino acids, basically, very loose compared to what you're going to get from an animal. So when we're eating protein from plants, we're getting disconnected amino acids so your body can use it really efficiently. So you actually find, and it's weird, a lot of people say to me, I can't understand it. I eat my smoothie in the morning with my almonds in it or my sunflower seeds, and I don't want to eat for the rest of the day. I'm full. And, I, you know, whereas if you eat your egg for breakfast, you want to have your tuna salad for lunch and you want your chicken for supper. You need more protein because you're lucky if you're getting 10% because it's been cooked and it's from an animal source. Whereas if you're eating your sunflower seeds, a handful of sunflower seeds, you're going to use 100% of that, 80 to 100% of it. So let's say you're getting 100 grams of protein from an animal. It doesn't matter if it's eggs or cheese or risen, It doesn't matter. Let's say you're getting 100 grams of protein, which is – difficult to get from one meal in an animal because the highest percentage of protein in an animal product is about 30% which you'll get in like a rump steak whereas the highest percent so you're going to use 10 to 20% maybe 30% is a push so 10% of 30 is only 3 grams what did I say? 30% huh. so if you've got 30 grams out of the 100 grams is protein and you can use 10% that's 3 grams if you can use 20% it's 6 grams, and if you can use 30%, it's 9 grams. It's not a lot of protein. But if i now going to have 30, if I have 100 grams of sunflower seeds, I'm going to get 30 grams of protein. And because it's raw and uncooked in a form that the body recognizes, it can use all 30 grams of protein. So it can get 100%. So you're getting a better quality protein, and this is the, Disconnect. I'll answer you now. This is the disconnect that people don't actually realize. When you eat plant protein, especially in the form of nuts and seeds, you're getting an exceptional source of protein that you're not going to get anywhere else. And you can get free protein from pumpkin seeds because most people throw those away. And pro- pumpkin seeds are one of the highest levels in plants. It's 30% and even over sometimes. In your body. Uh-huh. There are theories. There are theories about soaking your nuts and seeds to get them to start sprouting. I've read the theories. I haven't read any actual science on it. I haven't seen a scientific study which shows that you utilize more protein if you soak a sprout, nut or seed. It's a theory. I have raised my children and I've been eating I've soaked nuts and seeds for 30 years as my main source of protein. And I haven't had a problem. So I'm trying to figure out, like, so I've been my own experiment, so mm-hmm. to speak. My youngest daughter, who was raised on almonds, it was her favorite thing. She'd sit with a half a cup of almonds and honey, sometimes a cup, and just sit and eat the nuts out of a cup. She's six foot tall. She's exceptionally strong. She's incredibly muscular. Um... She's, it's almost unnaturally muscular when I say she's very tall and lean, but there's absolutely no fat on her body. It's just pure muscle, long, lean muscles. Um, you see her in a bathing suit. She's got none of this lumpiness on the top of her thigh. Her leg goes in like it's just pure sinew and muscle. So she's the most muscular child I have, and she was completely raised vegan. When I say vegan, she had some cheese occasionally but she didn't eat any animal products. Once she was given a drumstick from a chicken. She didn't know what it was, and she ate it because it tasted nice. It had been fried. And then I came to her and I said, Merit, you've just eaten the chicken. Where is the bone for the drumstick? And she said, what's a bone? She crunched the bone. She didn't know what it was because she's used to eating nuts and seeds, which are crunchy, not soft flesh. It was just like eating this bone. So that's how um, far removed she was from knowing what animal protein was. It's been an interesting experiment. I didn't do it on purpose with her, but I knew from the scientific studies and the science and the physiology behind it that she would get more than enough protein. She's our tallest child. She's just under, she's 1.82, I think. She's just under six foot tall and exceptionally strong. Um, And... Exceptionally smart. I sound like a proud, boasting mother, but sometimes she's so smart most of us don't get it. <laughs> she really is clever. I mean, it's it's uh, an interesting thing. And I've seen this with several families when the kids are raised vegan with nuts and seeds as their main source of protein. Very sharp, very muscular. I find that when it's the main source is legumes, you don't they're clever and smart, but they don't have this muscular strength. So the interesting thing that is as a fully grown adult, you're only needing 30 grams a day. That's a closed handful. It's like a tablespoon. Just like that, closed handful, tight closed handful of nuts or seeds a day. That is all you need. You don't need more than that. Even as an active person, you can get by that. If you're doing ultramarathons and stuff, you can increase that. And a lot of them that I know will have beans and leg and you know chickpeas, which are also a source. But let's get back to the amino acids. There's not one single plant food that doesn't contain amino acids, those building blocks of protein, not one. Mm. You get 20 to 23 amino acids, depending on which textbook you read. They're like the letters of the alphabet to protein. Out of the English language, you can make, you've got 26 letters, you can make over half a million English words. The average person uses three to 5,000 of those words only. You've got twenty to twenty-three amino acids. You make over a hundred thousand different types. So it makes it's starting to make sense when you're looking at it as like a language. Mm-hmm. Um, and of those twenty to twenty-three, eight of them are considered what's called essential amino acids. In other words, you've got to get them from your diet. You can't. Your body makes the rest of them. It actually just makes the rest. As long as you're getting those eight essential amino acids, the other balance of the twenty to twenty-three, your body can actually make. So those essential ones have names like. Um, isoleucine you find it in avocados coconuts, papayas, sunflower seeds and almost all nuts leucine, it's found, it counterbalances isoleucine, you always find the two together mm-hmm. in natural foods and it's found in exactly the same food sources the food sources I'm giving you is they're high in those sources, you'll okay. find them in almost every food every plant food will have them in to some extent, but they're higher lysine, you may have heard of lysine mm-hmm. people take it when they've had a fever blister and here's the funny thing. When I ate animal products, especially eggs, I got a really, really bad fever blisters. If I ate an egg, I'd break out in a fever blister. Since I've become vegan, the only time I get the beginning of like a cold sore or fever blister is if I've been outside in really extremely hot sun, and the sun has caught my lips, and I'll start to get that tingling feeling the next day. But I've since found out that there are two things. You can use aloe Vera jelly on the um, on the tingling on the cold salt, but purely by mistake I found out something else that works even better because I was in the sun and I got that tingling feeling <clears throat> and I have developed a toothpaste that I'm busy testing that I've made to see how it works and it's just 50% you can make it yourself, it's 50% bicarb and 50% coconut oil, extra virgin coconut oil. I've only used bicarb and salt. use yeah, that's you nice. just mix it with yes. coconut oil and so I it's more creamier and I put the peppermint oil in it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm. That's it. Oh, and that's it makes hot. your it makes your teeth so clean. It's mm. incredible. The coconut oil you use for oil pulling. Yes, which one? but if you oil pulling is just swishing your mm. the oil around <clears> your mouth. <throat> so what I found is I had that's this co- I had mm. this tingling feeling and I got the bicollar and brushing my teeth, it just got onto my lip there. Because it was like, yeah, in the middle of my Honestly, it was five minutes later. It was like, the feeling's gone completely. And then, uh, uh, like uh, another week or two later, I was back in the sun, a like, slight tingling feeling again. I thought, well, let me try this. I went and took the toothpaste, I rubbed it on there. Five minutes, gone away. Mm-hmm. And this other one had actually, at the top, It actually started to get where it's dry and the skin starts to, like, flake. And I put it on and it was like just, it healed. It was like the skin was repaired. It was, it was incredible. So now I'm like, that's a cure for fever blisters. You would have known. And if you saw there. that um, good quality coconut oil. Yes, we've got the extra virgin yeah. organic one and we've got the one like that's been deflavored. Cloth. The deflavored ones, they use clay to take the flavor out. Mm. And it's usually because the coconuts are older and they've got a stronger flavor. Mm. Very strong flavor. So they take the the flavoring out of the taste of the coconut out and they do that with clay they remove the clay and it's taken it's absorbed all the taste mm. of the coconut mm. yeah it depends the one we get is they use clay they may use chemicals in others so yeah um, your amino acids you're going to get from oh let's just go through some some of the others you don't need to remember these names threonine aids in balancing of amino acids it's found in alpha, alpha sprouts carrots green leafy vegetables and papayas tryptophan Tryptophan a well-known one. It actually helps to make serotonin in the body, so it makes you happy. It's found in most carbohydrate foods. Very high in bananas. You'll find it in potatoes, you'll find it in rice, but it's in, in things that are high in carbs. So fruit that's high in carbs, like a banana, is a high-carb fruit. It's high in tryptophan. And it's actually a lot of the natural um, uh, teachers on, on health and nutrition will tell you that it's a good thing to eat a ripe banana before you go to bed at night. Because mm. it makes you sleep very well. No. Oh, okay. And it raises your serotonin levels, which makes you sleep. So, and then you wake up happy. It's not a bad idea to give kids bananas banana as they go to bed. Like Because they home. do kind of get to kind of, no, no, no. You get them it's into bed now. and they're like, I'm <laughs> hungry. You should <laughs> keep a pile of ripe bananas. Always if you keep can't banana, keep them ripe, then easy. take the ripe bananas, peel them and freeze them. And then make them a little bit of banana ice cream which is just bananas blended in your blender, and it goes all frothy and creamy, yeah. and it's like ice cream. And you give them a couple of spoons of banana ice cream before oh, they go. Oh, my it you withdraw? No, you can. Oh, you can. I'm just okay. saying because you want it to be ripe. And oh, okay. a green banana is going oh, to cause digestive oh, disgust. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you just go them. Keep some in freeze yeah. fruit. So don't want a, a yeah, so you do it want a green banana is going to make them I you buy bananas see? every second day, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so. Slightly, slightly, so that yeah. you buy know the next day. Then. And in fact, when you buy them, ripe, they're cheaper as well because they weigh less, interestingly nice. enough. Okay. And then the, if you go to a greengrocer, he'll cut the price, he'll make okay. the bananas cheaper. Okay, so, and then you get things like methionine, which is, uh, helps the functioning of the spleen, the pancreas, lymphatic glands, it's part of hemoglobin and tissues and is found in apples, Brazil nuts, cabbage, cauliflower, hazelnuts, kale and pineapples. Valine is involved in the functioning of the mammary glands and ovaries. It's found in apples, almonds, beets, carrots, celery, okra, pomegranates, squashes, and tomatoes. Phenylalanine is found in apples, beets, carrots, pineapples, tomatoes. As I said, these are the high levels. It's found in most foods, Mm -hmm. okay? Plant foods containing all eight essential amino acids are almonds, hazelnuts, walnuts, pecanuts, Brazil nuts, eggplant, tomatoes. It's your nuts and your seeds. Coconuts, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, cabbages, broccoli, alfalfa sprouts, bananas, squashes, carrots, corn, okra, bean sprouts and dates. So there's a big variety, and that's not all of them, as I say, these are the ones that are high in it. So you it's not difficult to get them. Now in the old days and I say the old days, um, a book that was written called Diet for a Small Planet. you Ever read it? Francis oh, yeah. Moore Lapp. It's from the Happy Days, nineteen sixties and seventies, before your time. She wrote this book that, like, revolutionized the world, that you could be vegetarian, but you had to eat legumes with grains. So you had to have lentils with rice or beans with bread or a a complete protein. Complete protein. protein. You've got to get all your amino acids together at one meal, otherwise you're going to starve. So there was this theory that if you didn't eat complete protein, and that was the thing that really drove the eating of animal flesh, because if you eat Um, animal flesh, there's complete protein. If I ate human flesh… It's obviously going to be on complete protein in you because it's been used to make the muscle. Right. Then not have to cook it. By the way, if you became a cannibal, you get a disease called kuru, K-U-R-U, which is the human equivalent of mad cow disease. You get these spongy brain, where you get holes in your brain, and you actually go completely crazy. And it's known amongst cannibal communities; they actually lose it mentally. You don't stay sane. Yes, very friends. good incentives. Yeah, all your enemies. <laughs> your enemies go away. In- <clears throat> eating friends makes you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fish are our friends, not food. <laughs> Humans are friends, not food. Yeah. Okay, so um, this whole complete protein thing has now—it was a theory. But people were teaching it in the universities and they were, like, actually propagating it. It was in textbooks. Mm -hmm. And it all went back to this woman's theory in this book, Diet for a Small Planet. Mm Unproven. Totally unproven. Completely unproven. Nobody bothered checking it out. Now we know that you've got what's called an amino acid bank. Mm -hmm. Your body takes the amino acids that are essential. So if you eat a lot of bananas one day Mm -hmm. and you've got too much of tryptophan, for example, it banks it and the body will store it in the liver you Mm. think of it, amino acids aren't big bulky things. You can't even see them with your eyes. You have to get a microscope to see them. So you can keep a lot of amino acids in the liver and some of it's kept in the bloodstream as well. So we, we deposit the excess amino acids and we withdraw them when we need them. So they now know that that's how it works. So anybody that tells you you have to eat animal flesh to get protein is speaking from a completely uneducated or... An outdated approach completely, and unfortunately, many doctors still are taught that stuff. Dietitians oh. are still taught. They're now only starting to teach about the amino acid pool, and it's been around since I started studying. Gosh, 30, 31, 32 years ago, it was in books that I was reading then. So it was from before that that they knew that you did you had this amino acid pool. The Dietary Flat Earth Society. Yeah, the Dietary Flat Earth Society exactly. <laughs> And you get a degree to study that nonsense too. That's what's so bizarre. So, here's the thing, but the, the thing is, a lot of the stuff we taught us, is taught to us because it's for financial gain. The, the dairy and the meat industry is, and the poultry industry is enormous, and there's a lot of money in it. I mean, I went to a dinner party, a launch, it was a fundraising thing for charity for AIDS babies in Africa was in Southern California and we were invited to these people's home in Southern California in a gated community, but you've never seen anything like this in your estate agent days. You would never mm-hmm. places in uh, Southern California and they're like out of a movie. It's all of them are sea views raised mm-hmm. up. You know, you're looking at Laguna beach and places like that. <laughs> um, I, it just, You know, they literally have rooms as big as ballrooms in their houses. And they're new houses. They're not old mansions. Um, Anyway, these people were multi-billionaires, and their money was made from chickens in America. They provided chickens to all kinds of places, from fast food outlets to the Walmarts of the world. Um, There's big money in it. You can just mistreat the animals, feed them rubbish. Chop their heads and feet off, pull their feathers on, and off you go, or whatever it is. Kill the animals. They don't speak. They can't They can't cry out and say, hey, please help me. They make a noise, but we're not there to see it. So I am vegan, not for humanitarian reasons. I became vegan for health reasons. But the humanitarian thing has become very close to my heart because of the mistreatment. I think we're all going to be held responsible for the way we've really treated animals. He did. And we, we have no right to do to do what we do to animals and then say we need to eat them. Plus, we're using, it <clears throat> takes 100 times more water to produce one kilogram of animal protein compared to one kilogram, A 100 times more water. One kilogram of plant protein, okay? I know, Ravuna, you've got to get going, so i just going to finish. Okay. Yeah, we've got no water in the Western Cape, but we keep growing sheep and we keep you can't growing cows. Be, you can't so, histidine is another one, and it's found in beets and apples and sprouts and celery and cucumbers and endives and papayas and pineapples and pomegranates, okay? So, really, it's just very difficult to not get enough protein if you're eating a whole food plant-based diet that has variety in it. And, and you, the variety doesn't mean you have to eat something different every single day. Eat what's in season. We make our smoothie in the morning, depending on what fruit's in there. It'll be frozen berries, and might be frozen strawberries or frozen blueberries or fresh berries. Or <clears throat> it could, and there's always a pineapple in there, and there's some nuts and seeds. I now mix the nuts and seeds. I do almonds, sunflower seeds, and pumpkin seeds. Some people like cashews, but I find that cashews are no longer my favourite nut. They used to be, but I've gone off them, so I don't eat them much, unless they're in our frozen cheesecakes. Mm-hmm. And then. You know, for lunch, you'll have a salad that's got a whole lot of different veggies for anything with from olives, which is one of the things that's got complete protein, and you'll put lettuce and complete carrots in. I think the olives are one of them, yes. And then you, you've got yes, carrots, yes. which are complete protein, and then you've got lettuce, and you might put some artichokes in there. You've got all these different things in there, and you might go and have a baked potato, or you could have a handful of dates for snacks, complete protein. And for dinner, you might have uh, gluten-free pasta, macaroni, cheese, which is made with a cashew nut and butternut sauce. It's very, very... Look, the amount of protein you get in dates and olives is yeah. very small. It could be between 1% and 3%. So it's yeah. not a complete protein. Okay. But if you add it up during the day, if oh, you're yeah. getting... Two grams okay. from this, and three grams from that, and one gram from that. The average person, when the studies have been done, who eats a whole food plant based diet, is getting 60, at least 60 grams of protein a day. We need one gram of protein for every kilogram of body weight. So if you weigh 60 kilograms, that's what you need if you are a fully, if you're a growing child. One gram of protein per one kilogram of body weight. But if you are a fully grown adult because you stopped growing, you don't – proteins need for growth and repair. So we've got a bit of repair work that's been done, but we're not growing unless you're growing sideways. Protein for fully grown adults is half a gram for every kilogram of body weight. So you actually only need 30 grams a day, and it's very comfortable and easy to get 60 grams a day from a whole food plant-based diet, pumpkin seeds, nuts and seeds. So it's very easy to overdose on protein as a vegan. If you're getting nuts and seeds and you're eating whole foods, you shouldn't be eating that amount. It's Mm -hmm. a handful. That's it. Mm -hmm. So when we make our smoothie, we take a handful, closed handful, not an open handful, into the um, blender and we add um, a handful per person. So if there's oh, six yeah. people, it's six closed handfuls. If it's yeah. three, there's three closed handfuls. Otherwise, we're just completely overdosing, because we right. eat other food as well. What's the downside to too much okay. see. Oh, my word. you got the tongs there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Oh, see so our fire hard start, eh? Hey? <laughs> oh, put it right back. Oh, well, no. just Oh, I can okay. breathe and see. Sorry, I'm just pushing you around here. I think you're one of our minions. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. It's all good. It's to a minion every now and again. All right. Thank you. So what was your question you asked? Oh, the downside of too much protein. Okay. Here's the thing. Too much animal protein is a big problem. Okay. Too much animal protein, we know... Dr. Colin Campbell in this huge study that he did, the China study, which was accumulation of over 30 years of studying in a million people and 400 different studies, that if you consume more than 5% of your calorie value, between 5 and 10% of your calorie value, which is tiny, it's like a spoonful, if you eat more than that in a day, it triggers cancer. So you can fill the gun, as they said, you can fill the gun with aflatoxins and pollution and stress and everything else, but the thing that pulls the trigger is protein. So the minute you go over 5 to 10 animal percent of your calorie value, and animal protein is high calorie so value. Atkins, uh, animal products, okay? mm. animal protein. Mm. Right. So, this, so this is just to cause cancer blood. in yes, the it is. population um, at large. Well, what we're seeing is cancer, and we, we know one of the people that promoting the Banting Diet here in South Africa. He's now full-blown diabetic on medication. He wasn't when he started. He was going on it to avoid diabetes, and now he has diabetes. So it's very sad that people are doing that, and they're telling people. But, uh, well, you know, I kind of – I make a bit of a joke of it, so please, if anybody's listening, this tongue-in-cheek. But I'm beginning to think that high-protein diets are to cull stupid people. Because seriously (laughs) – Anybody who reads the research, the studies out there, if you know anything, a little bit about diet, too much protein is very, very hard in our kidneys. Just that alone. You've got too much animal protein, your kidneys can fail from it. And we've had people, we've got a guy in Australia whose kidney function was something like 20%, and they told him in five more years maximum and he's going to need a kidney transplant. And the guy is in his late 40s with teenage kids and a wife. And we got him onto a vegan diet, and within the space of three months, it went to 40%. And the last Mm -hmm. I saw their email, which has been about two years now, his kidney function's up to 71%. And his doctor said, I don't care what you're doing. Whatever you're doing, it's worked for you. His cholesterol levels have come down. His Mm -hmm. kidney function is returning. He's never felt this good. He's lost some excess waste as well. And we've seen this with several people. This is just one of the more recent people. So animal products strain your digestive tract. It's cooked protein. It's heavy on the stomach. It will promote things like inflammation because animal protein comes in with arachidonic acid, which is very inflammatory. Arachidonic acid is a fatty acid that comes in with animal protein. It increases your blood pressure. It increases inflammation and it increases blood clots. Now, you get a blood clot and you've got a stroke. Inflammatory diseases are things like inflammation starts, you can get stomach ulcers, you can get arthritis, and then if you don't not able to fix it, it can develop into – inflammation the first stage of disease in the in the, in the the road to cancer. So it's not a joke.
1: You and I'm saying to people – life
0: expectancy yeah? also came down when people started to eat. Oh, and absolutely. More we down. know if you just take it from a biblical perspective. Yeah. You're looking at people that were living 900 years and people say, oh, but years weren't years when they were there. But they were because no. they, the life expectancy came down. Mm. When Noah got off the ark, he said to God, can I eat meat? And God said, if you want to, but don't eat the unclean animals, only the clean animals. Unclean animals are animals that eat other animals. So any animal that eats another animal or cleans up the space around it, like shellfish and pigs, don't eat. Bears eat other animals. Lions eat other animals. Dogs and cats eat other animals, so they're considered unclean. Sharks eat other animals. So we shouldn't be eating them, but... Oh, Dr. Uh, rabbi David um, Shapiro, I think his name is. He is a rabbi, he's now in, in Israel, and he was here doing a talk. He used to be based in Cape Town, and he's originally from Ireland. He was the chief rabbi there and then here. He did a talk to um, an annual talk that they do in Stellenbosch called Lemud which is for the Jewish community. And he came in here and he told me he's doing this talk. And I said, how can I hear you speak? He said, I'll get you in because we're not Jewish. So uh, he got us in and we listened to him. And he basically said, God's made it really difficult for us to eat animals. He gave us all these complicated laws because he thought that if we actually thought about it, we wouldn't want to do it. Instead, we're so stupid we go and do all these bury our plates because they were next to... We had meat next to something that had dairy products on it. Meat-a-mocks and meat-a-mocks some meat. homes have two kitchens and yeah, they right, kipped them out completely. I mean, for it's Jewish very, very, meat-a-mock. very... If you're a vegan, you're kosher automatically. Mm-hmm. There's nothing unkosher about vegan unless you go and eat a caterpillar in your broccoli. <laughs> and chances of that happening is not... Maybe not that. I think anybody eating a caterpillar would actually know they were eating one. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day... If we have to look at it biblically, if we have to look at it ecologically, if we have to look at it um, physically, there's no benefit from an environmental point of view. There's no benefit spiritually. Anybody who stops eating meat will tell you they spiritually they feel lighter, they mm. feel more, more connected to God, their Creator. They find it easier to pray. When you we know that the most damage comes from raising animals, the least is from growing plants. We know that the most damage to the body is from eating animal protein, the least is from animals. The longest living communities in the world, known as the Blue Zones, they have the most healthy people over the age of 100. And all of the common denominators, besides the fact that they're living in community and they don't do any formal exercise but they're very active, dietary common denominator in all of them, they're eating a whole food, plant-based diet. Animal protein is a very small part of the diet. You might find in Sardinia they may have a little bit of goat's milk cheese occasionally. You might find in Okinawa where they have a sardine once a week and they share it amongst twelve people. That's a big sardine, not a baby mm-hmm. one. But most of them follow a, a completely whole food plant-based diet with no protein or very occasionally. It could be once a month or once a year kind of thing. So should you never eat animal protein? My body responds really badly to animal protein. When I was going through the menopause and when I was before that, I used to have very heavy periods, last seven days. I took the animal protein out and I still ate a little bit of cheese. My my period went from two to three days. When I became vegan, it became very, very little, like one and a half, two days, very little blood, no odor whatsoever, no smell. To menstruate with no smell, the smell used to put me off myself. I mean, I don't think people actually realize it. It's just the smell of blood and you have these horrible thick clots coming out. That was gone, just nothing. So when you go vegan, you find that there's certain things, like cashew nuts, for example, give me a bit of body odor, but nothing compared to animal products. Mm. Um, I, I can't think of any benefit to eating animal product protein. It's expensive. You're getting 10% if you're lucky, maybe 30% is a push if it's not well cooked, but then you're getting parasites with it. So then you end up with the parasites and the oh, core problems. So I, I, there's no economic benefit, there's no physical benefit, and there's definitely no environmental benefit. So, um, you know, from that point of view, I believe we should be and eating pea no Elma protein. Animal protein. pea protein, let's talk about the pea protein. The protein that I use in my smoothie is called Pro-Peas. It's 75% protein. It's the protein taken out of the peas. So when oh, you look at the protein, is. no, it's taken out of a green pea. Okay and it is a creamy powder they just extract the protein through a process of grinding and water extraction they extract it and they add some vanilla to it and it's got a little bit of a herbal sweetener called halohan so it's slightly sweet so if you taste it it's actually very pleasant i'll give you some in the open jar there to taste <clears throat> but if i add it to the smoothie I know i'm just adding a really good quality protein and we, we exercise quite a bit, mm. so we do want to get a bit of better muscle tone. But it's I use one to two scoops for an entire jug of six to eight people in the mornings because all my grandkids mm. come and eat here in the morning. We'll and do sleep. you recommend having it with your acid and subacid fruit rather than, or doesn't it I do matter? recommend eating protein rather with subacid mm. and acid fruit rather than with carbohydrates. It's not that, it's as much as it's, it's not that, you know, because it's not a complicated protein. It's not It's not an intricate protein. Okay. It's not so this long a chain. So now you've got protein. separate amino acids. So if you had a bit of banana in there, it's probably not going to do anything. But the best way to know if your food's not digesting properly is if your food is repeating on you, hmm. you're burping it afterwards, or you've got indigestion or heartburn. So if you're not getting any of that, you're probably digesting your food pretty well. So food combining, not mixing protein with starches, is not that important when you are vegan. Because animal protein is so complicated compared to protein. Okay. It's not coming in long chains of pig, remember? Mm-hmm. It's just coming separate letters. The letters haven't mm-hmm. been made and your body just takes the letters up and, make and makes the language that it understands. Whereas with animal protein, it's got to undo the letters okay. and then remake all the words so that it can understand okay. what the Did protein is. A, a, quite a couple on the market now. There are, this one really good? there are a lot of other pea proteins on the market. Um, the number one Importer is importing it from China. There's some good stuff that can come out of China, but there's been rumors, and I don't it's not from this company, but I have seen rumors, I've seen articles, I've seen people commenting in it. They put melamine, for example, in the baby powder. There's melamine in the pea protein. You've got to check where it actually comes from. Mm. I think this pea protein comes from France, if I'm not mistaken, but I'll check upon on it. I know it's not from China. Mm. So I use this because it's a good source. Pro <coughs> P from AIM. And you can all buy it directly from AIM. You don't have to get it from us. Um, but if you do get it from us as an affiliate, you get your 9% off. Um, it, when it says 75%, I know it's 75%. Mm-hmm. If I'm buying it from a bulk supplier who's selling it to the local pharmacy down the road or health shop mm-hmm. who's decanting it, they could be mixing <clears throat> just ground-up peas with it. And you could end up getting 5 or 10% protein because they're trying to stretch it and make more money. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what in… People in business, the vast majority of them, don't have the integrity they should have and they need to make money. And that's the motivation for most people to be in business. I would rather not sell protein than sell a poor quality. It's the same Mm -hmm. thing. as We can only find the uh, cashew nuts that are brown and they don't taste nice. We don't buy them. So we'd rather be out of stock of something than actually stock it. There's nothing that we stock online or in the store that we either haven't used or don't use mm. presently. Mm. Um, so it's like the barley life. It's the best quality barley grass. It's got mm. the highest nutrient content. I haven't found one that has a content, protein mm. content this high right. and doesn't taste this nice. the but... yeah, other things to have to see. Um, Almonds contain about 25, between 20 and 30% protein, depending on how it's grown and where it's grown. Sunflower seeds are about 25 to 30 percent. Pumpkin seeds are at least 30 percent. Sesame seeds or tahini, very good source of protein here. Fantastic way to get it into kids. Mm-hmm. Um, hummus, great way. Just chickpeas, tahini, great source of protein. You're looking here at also about 25 to 30 percent protein. So if you're putting that, you can drizzle it. You can just mix this as it is with lemon juice and garlic and herb salt without putting fur chickpeas into it at all, and you just mix it by hand. And makes, it's then called tahina, which is you mix a little bit of water with it to thicken it. Or, funny enough, water makes it thicker. Yes, it it's an interesting nice. thing yeah, when you well, put it with tahini. It just gets – so it's more like a paste then oh, yeah. as opposed to sort of a spread, a runnier okay. sort of spread. So a great source of protein, and it's good to vary them. I mean, when I started out like this, I was just eating – macadamia nuts, and I would just eat almonds, and I was just eating cashew nuts. I was like, so not used to eating nuts and seeds. Now I vary it. I have to hummus, I'll have tahini in something, I'll have pumpkin seeds, and I do sometimes, oh, the other thing I do is I eat the sunflower seed butter, which is really delicious. You had some area hmm. on it, we do roast the sunflower seeds because it's a way of preserving it so that it doesn't go rancid once you've crushed it. Okay. But it's lightly roasted, and the flavor is very different to a sunflower seed. It's yeah. got a nicer flavor. Yeah. The same thing happens with peanuts. With peanuts, you can taste them on the shelf. They are raw peanuts, and then these are lightly roasted and salted. They are very, I'll actually open this so you can taste it. These are giant redskins. We import them from America. They imported from America, the redskins, because they make the best peanut butter. We don't grow these peanuts here. I can get other peanuts. They're little and they're very, very oily, and then the oil separates and it goes rancid, really. Oh, you can just smell it. Smell it. Your whole mouth just water smelling it. You can help yourself to some peanuts there. My grandkids, what they do is they take the roasted peanuts and they mix it in with a plain peanut butter. And then oh, they, they eat it like that, and oh, it's, it's crunchy, crunchy. peanut. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. So there's the plain peanut butter, there's a the chili peanut butter, there's a the honey with our raw honey peanut butter, and there is the. Oh, that's a chili, plain, and honey peanut butter. That's Very it. Nice. And I know Ramuna has to go, so we'll say goodnight. Thank you That's Thank basically you. it. The only other nuts that I'm just going to mention. Um, There are things like pecan nuts, macadamia nuts. They're quite low in protein. They're about 10 to 15. Cashew nuts are only 15% protein. Almonds are higher. Almonds are higher. Almonds are 20 to 30%. And almonds are alkaline in your bloodstream. It's the only alkaline nut. Mm -hmm. The others are slightly acidic, but they're not very acidic. Compared to animal protein, nuts and seeds are very mildly acid-forming in the body. And it doesn't mean you mustn't ever have... Acid-forming foods. You just need to have a less, not Please. more than 25%. Brazil nuts, basil nuts are also about eight to ten percent protein. They're not not very high. They're usually very high in fat. Um, cashew nuts are the one that's not high in fat. Most nuts high in fat, like macadamia, pecans, and um, Brazil nuts, are low in protein. Cashews are the higher of those um, nuts. They're fifth. They're not fatty. That's the interesting thing. Cashew nuts are high in carbohydrates and low in fat. They contain the least amount of fat out of all the nuts. Sure. Yeah, so that's basically the story about proteins. It's nice to know so that you can actually not be in the dark anymore. And it's nice to feel the Yeah, you be able to answer the questions. You can let people listen to the podcast because it's available online. And it's nice to know you don't have to eat humans to be yes, a, a healthy human. human. That is a big lesson learned today. Yep. Yeah. So the other thing that is got a good source of protein out of all our bars is our endurance and recovery bars. The endurance bar is slightly lower. About, um, we're getting about three grams in the recovery bar and about two grams in the... That's three games in, in a 30 gram bar. So it's 10% protein there. Now you're getting slightly less than that. You're getting about 6% protein in the endurance bar. The endurance bar is for while you exercise, recoveries recovery is for afterwards. You need more protein after you've exercised and done an endurance sport. Whereas while you're exercising and before, you need more carbohydrates. Because if you don't, if you run out of carbohydrates while you're doing a marathon or a triathlon, um, you basically hit the wall, which means you deplete all your glycogen, which is your your muscle glucose, which is a form of glucose that you increase by being fitter. The fitter you get, the more you're able to store that. Um, But if you don't have enough stored because you're not fit enough, then you have to keep drinking things and eating things. And if you're drinking and eating processed and and refined um, things like colas and white biscuits you know, made with white flour, it's a poor quality glucose that's coming in and you're going to crash because it's going to make your blood sugar drop. So you want to make your blood sugar stable off while you're running. This has got almonds and sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds. It's basically all the ingredients that is now coconut weasley, but there's no coconut in here. I took the coconut out because when, once you grind it up, it can go rancid. And then the recovery bar, we put extra protein, in, extra protein in the form of tahini. So It's got a slight tahini flavor. So it's got, you must taste it. You, you need to repair your muscle. I'm trying to repair your muscle. You exercise lot. Let me give you the other one first. Taste the endurance bar. I haven't even eaten for a while. And then taste the recovery bar. You see that's sweeter and mm. this is we can taste the sesame seed paste in there mm. oh. there's a bit of cinnamon in it similar yeah. mm. tasting but this one's got mm. more protein in mm. yeah it's mild it's not overwhelming um the other sweets that we've got that we've got tahini in it is um, the power balls. Mm. It's got tahini dates and raisins in it. And some people just use that. They don't necessarily want different bars. But a lot of people want like seeds and they want goji berries and chia seeds. And... Mm. Yeah. So that's what... Yeah. So you can choose. You can either get the smoother balls, power balls, or you can use these. There's um, our cashew and date fudge, which has got cashew nuts in as well. It's a great source of protein. It's 15%, but it's good quality protein. That's great. It's, for kids. it's fantastic. What else contains nuts and seeds? It's great salads oh. and stuff in the 100 Days to Health. If you look up the 100 Days to Health and you look at the recipes, the recipes that we make here, where we have the <coughs> sliced apple with celery, cranberries on a bed of lettuce and it's got toasted pecan nuts in it. Mm, this is very delicious. So you can add the nuts and seeds into salads, smoothies. Mm. Um, one of my favorite salads is the lightly toasted almonds chopped and with the cabbage and the fresh coriander oh, and the corn. Really nice. It's one of our best salads that we have. Wow. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, just lightly just toasted. Oh, they're a treat. Absolute treat. I never thought I'd want them roasted. Them. It's just slightly toasted. It just gives it a bit of more of a gourmet taste. And it just, gosh, you can't get enough of it. It's too delicious. We are? We're trying to find somebody who can index for us. Let me just stop this.